Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, as we've sung today, open our eyes, cause us to see within your word great truths, Lord, jewels rich and rare. Lord, and as we walk through the garden, we pray you'd help us to see the flowers of of all that we can learn about the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you turn in your Bible to Ruth chapter two. Yes, Ruth, we haven't forgotten about Ruth. She's been away for a while, but Ruth is back. So uh, Ruth chapter two and verse 14. And if you turn there, then we'll, uh, that's gonna be our text. Ruth two, 14. Two, 14 through 16. And Boaz said unto her, at mealtime, Come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn and she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Now, we've been studying, as we've been looking through this here, we've been studying this intricate care, this such, such elaborate care that Boaz has shown to Ruth. And we've seen that Boaz's spiritual care for Ruth as well because he prayed for her. You'll notice in verse 12, when this is really a prayer, it's a desire of his heart, when he said, Boaz said, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. And then we saw how Boaz proceeded to care for Ruth in verse 14 when he said, he said to her, at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn and she did eat and was sufficed and left. Boaz cared for Ruth. And when Boaz said to her in verse 14, come, one simple word, at mealtime, come, Ruth never would have just come into the dining hall to eat. She was a foreign woman. She was a despised Moabite. But Boaz elevated her position up when he gave her the invitation. And he said, she said, he said, come, come, not just come, but come and eat. Not just eat, but come and eat and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And Boaz didn't want Ruth just to sit anywhere. Oh, no, that wasn't Boaz. Boaz wanted Ruth to sit among the men near to Boaz where no women sat. And Ruth did that, as it says in verse 14, and she sat beside the reapers. 
And so what we see in verse 14 is just how important to Boaz it was that Ruth really enjoy herself there. And when it says that he reached, and we could just see him reaching for her parched corn. It shows that Boaz was just making sure that she ate well. And when lunch was over, then Boaz made sure that the young man did not taunt her, that they didn't shame her. So he says something very unusual in verse 15. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man saying, let her glean, even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. See, Ruth's getting up. She's getting up to go back to work. And she's gonna go back to work in the field. And Boaz, he stands up and he says something purposefully so that Ruth can hear it. Ruth heard this command that Boaz gave to his young men and that she should be able to glean. And he says, don't affront her. Don't confront her. Once you get back into the field, don't insult her. Don't put her to shame. She should be left to glean. And then we see the place that, that, that Boaz has chosen for Ruth. He's picked this place out to do her work. Let her glean even among the sheaves. See, that was a very good position because one thing to be between the rows of the grain and to pick up what grain might have fallen in there, but he's saying, no, 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 you let her go among the sheaves. That's to be able to keep the grain that fell right down there and that was a very favored position as a person, it was a place where you would collect the most. So Boaz gives this last command to the men who were actually doing the work. He gave this command to the men who were going to be in the field, not to the supervisors in case they shouldn't, shouldn't tell the men. He tells it directly to the men. And he doesn't give her grain. See, Boaz doesn't give her grain. Just say, well, you know, Ruth, you're saying, here, I'll, I'll just give you grain. He is a generous man. But as generous as he is, Boaz wants Ruth to earn what she gets. And no one feels good about getting a handout. No one feels good about people about, about getting hand up. People feel best when they get a lift up, not a handout. And we know this in Ethiopia where we work because we see big bags of grain marked USAID, which has been given to give to the people there by the US. And, and in fact, oftentimes we see them on the uh, backs of, of guys carrying them into to stores to sell because of corruption there. But even if the food was given to the Ethiopians, the Ethiopians don't feel good about receiving handouts. So since 2009, that's why Scanabodies has been giving jobs to the Ethiopian women. Today, we employ about 171, mostly women, to support their families. And it's just so much to raise their position. I mean, Boaz, he could have just given the grain to Ruth. It was easy. But he wanted her to feel good about getting it, good about earning it, and to raise her position. That's why Boaz doesn't send her back home and say, now, you know, I'm gonna have some of the young men bring, bring a deliverer to you. But he lets her work because he knows it's gonna be better. And so we see Boaz in, in, in this wonderful combination. Boaz, when we look at Boaz here, we see a unique, wonderful combination on one hand of strength and on the other hand of gentleness. See, there are persons who have strength, but they have no sensitivity. They have truth, but they have no tenderness. In my garden, there's the rugged pine trees, as you know, but there's also the gentle jasmine and the honeysuckle that creep, you know, gracefully. And that's what we see in Boaz, this combination of strength and tenderness. Tenderness in verse 14. Boaz said unto her, at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread. Dip thy morsel in the vinegar. He's concerned about her, 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 what she's gonna dip the bread in. 
And in verse 16, he says, let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. Leave them that she, that she may glean them. And verse 9, when thou art thirst, go to the vessels, drink of that which the young men have drawn. And verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work. A full reward be given thee, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's tenderness. That's sensitivity on this man's part, but also strength. In verse 9, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go after them. Have not I charged, that's strength, the young men that they shall not touch thee. And then verse 9, have not I charged the, no, no, I mean, in verse 15, and when you are risen, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean, reproach her not. See, this wonderful combination of tenderness and, and, and gentleness and, 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 and strength, it's what we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's gentle. You know, Isaiah 40, verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs in his arms, carry them in his bosom, gently lead those that are with young. That's tenderness, that's gentleness. But yet he's strong in Psalm 2, 9. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So we see this combination of strength and gentleness in Boaz. We see it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we ask ourselves a question, how about us? Is that in us? Do we have strength and do we have also tenderness together? Now, Boaz continues his instruction to the men. They can hear him. Ruth can hear. They hear. Verse 16, when he tells, you let some some grain on purpose, handfuls, fall so she can take them and don't rebuke her. See, what he's saying to the men is that you actually take some of the grain, handfuls of it, and on purpose, you let that fall for her. See, he's thought about Ruth and what Ruth is going to have at the end of the day, and how he made provision for her to have a big game. And in this way, he provided for Ruth, just as Boaz protected her. He protected her when he said, they weren't, they're not going to touch you. Those young men are not going to touch you. So he protected her from physical harm. He says in verse 15, reproach her not. Boaz protected her from being put to shame. In verse 16, rebuke her not. Boaz protected her from being blamed. I mean, the men are going to say, we got to do extra work because of you, lady. You know, we got to collect the stuff, drop it on and so forth. And so, but he says, no, he protects her from being blamed. And so what we're seeing here is how Boaz took care to make sure that Ruth was taken care of. And what Boaz did, what he's doing here, is really described by four important words. Please remember these four important words. Now, the first word is actually really intimated by Naomi. We drop down to verse 19. She says, blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. Did take knowledge. Take knowledge describes this first word that Boaz did for Ruth, which is very simply the word look. See, that's the first word. That's the first of the four important words. Look, look. Boaz took time to look at Ruth's poor condition. And the second word, which is important, is the word feel, feel. Boaz took time to let his heart feel Ruth's pain. And the third word, the third important word, is think. Boaz took time to think about what was the best way, as we've already been mentioning here, 
because the thought he gave to what would be the best way that he could take care of Ruth. And the fourth word is act. Boaz took time to act on what he knew he should do. See, when Boaz looked and felt and thought and acted, Boaz was showing what Naomi said in in verse 20. Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and dead. Boaz Boaz showed kindness to Ruth. Kindness is important for us because we have a command to show kindness in Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another. When it says that we are to be kind one to another, it's in a particular Greek tense that indicates that we are to keep on becoming more and more kind one to another. In other words, our kindness is to keep on growing. It's not static. Our kindness is to be, should be increasing And the problem is, this is our problem. Our problem is that we can live our lives with people all around us who are suffering and dying and act as if it didn't matter to us. We must show the same kindness to those around us that Boaz showed to Ruth. As a matter of fact, we have the same four words as responsibilities that we saw in Boaz. We are responsible to look to feel, to think, to act. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he shows us by his example these four words in action. He shows us in action when he looked, felt, thought, and acted as the embodiment of kindness. And in Matthew 9, 36, Matthew 9, 36, watch for these words. But when he saw, look, but when he saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his field, into his harvest. See, he looked on this great multitude of the lost when it says he would, and then it says he was moved with compassion. That means he felt the anguish, their anguish over being lost without a shepherd. And then he thought, he thought, what's needed? Prayer is needed. And then he acted by encouraging others to pray. There was another time when the Lord Jesus, again, saw a big multitude in Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. This is a different need, totally different now. See, he looks, what does he see? He sees the sick. And when it says he was moved with compassion, what does that mean? He feels, he felt their anguish over their illnesses. And then he thought, what did they need? They needed healing, and then he acted. He healed them. Those were descriptions of the Lord showing look, feel, think, act, kindness, See, that's the kindness. This is the kindness. It's look, feel, think, act kindness to the multitudes. But he also showed the same pattern of look, feel, think, act kindness to individuals, like the mother of the dead son, who it says in Luke 7, 12, Luke 7, 12. Now, when he was come nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. 
Boy, this makes you want to cry when you read this name. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the buyer. He touched the coffin. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. What happened? He looked. He sees a mother with a dead son. Not just a mother, a widow mother with a dead son. And it says he has compassion on her. It means he felt her pain. And he thought, how could, what can I do? He thought, I know I can touch the coffin. I can command the dead. And he raises the boy to life. He acts. That's what James meant when he said in James 1.27, pure religion, James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. See, visiting widows, uh, orphans, uh, widows, fathers, orphans, and widows in their affliction means to go and look. In their affliction means to feel their affliction and to think of how to relieve their affliction and then act on how to relieve their affliction. See, there's two needs, basically two categories of needs that we're called to show this look, feel, think, act kindness. And those two needs are, we could call them social needs, and spiritual needs. But the spiritual needs have the priority over the social needs. Social needs are important. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, showing this kindness for social needs is important, as he said in Matthew 25, 34, Matthew 25, 34. Then shall the king say unto them as right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was a hungered, he gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee? Hungered, fed thee, thirsty, gave thee drink. When saw we thee? Stranger, took thee in. Naked, clothed thee. When saw we thee? Sick, prison, came unto thee. King shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. See, the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's our mission. The focus of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's our focus. The concern of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's our concern. His work, it's our work. But spiritual needs have a higher priority over social needs, which does not mean that social needs are to be ignored. It's just spiritual needs have a higher priority. As the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of when he talked about his mission, when he came to that synagogue in Luke 4.16, in Luke 4.16, it says he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up for to read. It was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, Recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it to the minister, and sat down. All uh, the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I don't think you can find a country with more social needs than Ethiopia. Maybe Somalia, Sudan, I don't know, but they're all in the same place. Where millions now, even today, They're dying, they're starving to death, and they're dying from the drought. So the last seven years, we've had this mission compound in Ethiopia, ministering to the Ethiopians, 12 acres, 
We grow food. But our first priority is spiritual, not social, because that was the first priority uh, the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ had. Not the physical needs, they're ignored. They're not ignored, but the priority is spiritual as he spoke of the spiritual needs when he was saying in Luke 4.18 that the Spirit of the Lord was on him because he anointed him to preach the gospel of the poor, sent him to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance, recovering of sight and so forth, preach the acceptable year of... See, Dr. Charles Habib Malik. Has anybody ever heard of Dr. Charles Habib Malik? Nobody there? Okay. He was important. He was from Lebanon. In 1958, he was elected president of the General Assembly of the United Nations. He had already served as president of the UN Security Council and of the UN Human Rights Commission. And he was from Lebanon, from Beirut. He was an avowed Christian. And he distinguished between social needs and spiritual needs. And this is what he said. Quote, The socializing of the gospel is a tremendous danger today. This does not mean that there are not objective social truths and problems which need to be dealt with. But it is very easy for modern man to crucify Christ again on the cross of social betterment and regeneration of society. And then he set out this order of priorities. First, quote, first, Jesus Christ himself. Second, confrontation of human souls with Christ, resulting in acute sense of personal sin, unworthiness, then repentance, then faith. Third, improvement of familiarization, improvement of society, introduction of justice and economic development. And he concludes with these words. I can lose myself in social service and I'll do lots of good, but if I thereby lose Jesus Christ, my social activity will do me no good, even in the last judgment. And that's quoted in Christianity Today, 1968. So to care and show this look, feel, think, act kindness, that means to bring redemption, as God said in Luke 168. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And then in Luke 178, Luke 178, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high had visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, King Solomon, he gave us a very important way, very important application of this uh, look, feel, think, act kindness. And, and it's found, and if you like, turn to this one. This is important, Proverbs 24, 11. Proverbs 24, 11. This is King Solomon. And he gives these words in, in Proverbs 24, 11, And it's a warning in Proverbs 24, 11. It's a, it's a warning. And it's a sober warning. It's a serious warning. And it's something we can do in our lives. And he says here these words, Proverbs 24, 11, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain. If thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? What's this saying? What is Proverbs 24, 11 through 12? What are these things saying? It's saying we must rescue those that are being led away to death. And if we say something like, We didn't know. We knew not. We know nothing about it. We don't know anything about it. God, who has saved us from death, he'll repay us. 
if we don't try to stop the condemned from dying. See, it's telling us this, this is Proverbs 24, 11, is telling us we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to look, feel, think, act, kindness to the lost. And it says there, he that keepeth thy, it says in the verses, he that keepeth thy soul doth not he know it. It means God is seeing if we are on the lookout for the lost and hurting souls. God sees if we look. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.